Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. I hit record and we are on. There's no delay on this one. I just had to get right to it because literally if we kept talking anymore before the show, the whole show is <laughs> happening off air. Uh, I'm so excited to introduce this guest to you. Um, I've met him. I've been on his podcast and he is one of my, if not my favorite podcasters. So let me tell you a little bit more about him. Who is this person? Who is this stranger? Internationally recognized B2B marketing thought leader. He is also a brand strategist, and we are going to smash some stuff around brand today, which I can't wait to get to. It's one of those spots that I really need to learn more about. He's also um, on the podcasting side. I mentioned he's a favorite podcaster of mine because he asks the right questions. He is also an entrepreneur and a world traveler, host of the B2B Marketers on a Mission show, co-founder and director of client engagement at Einblick Consulting, Christian Klepp. Welcome to the show, sir. Woo, Casey. It is an honor to be here, man. And uh, thank you so much for that intro and for the shout out. I am truly flattered. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of pressure now. I mean, like with that, with that, that wasn't heck of a, a you know, an introduction. So <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't I, live I, up to that, but I know you can. So <laughs> I'm going to stop talking and I want to get into this. I can't wait to learn from you and, and it's happening, right? I'm going to pass it to you. So yep. get ready. It's heavy. Uh, uh, okay, here you go. Uh, go ahead yes. and grab it. There we you go. Got it? Okay, nice. Two-handed grab, ready to strike. Perfect. So Christian, <laughs> take Thor's hammer and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Just set the record straight once and for all. Wow. Well, <laughs> the cheeky side of me is coming out now and I can't help myself but say you have um, bestowed on me the honor of Mjolnir. Yes, uh, great, great pronunciation. We're going to clip that. And anytime someone asks me that question, we're just going to put your voice in there for me. Well, to be fair, I just watched The Northman. So, I've, you know, I've got my I've got my Nordic, my Norse name just, down, man. It's just the pronunciation. Seething through your blood. You're yeah. ready to smash. Absolutely. So here's the one I want to smash today. And uh, you and I have um, talked about this before. Um, B2B organizations need to stop treating branding as something that is nice to have and we don't really need it. We'll think about it a little bit more and maybe give it some airtime uh, when we make more money, we generate more revenue. Um, or the other the other one I, I, I keep hearing is, um, yeah, Christian, we don't need branding. We've got salespeople. Yeah. We don't I mean, need branding. <laughs> we've got salespeople. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, and so... Uh, and, and please, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying anything bad about salespeople today. I mean, I am a business owner myself and I am responsible for sales, as are you. I'm sure we appreciate a good sales rock star. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Hell so there yeah. Is, there but is a but this it's place. like apples to oranges, right? It's not like, oh, I don't eat oranges because I eat apples. It's like that's a different fruit, dude. Absolutely. And it's not the same thing. Right? Yeah, it's not even a fruit, right? It's well, like, well, yeah, for starters, right? <laughs> I don't eat oranges because I have a car. And you're like, what? Right. <laughs> Well, look, it's it's not the same thing. And to throw all of that into the same basket, I think is uh, probably uh, not advisable if I'm going to be very diplomatic, right? Oh, don't be Maybe diplomatic. This is the hardcore market show. You can tell us how you feel. How do you really feel, Christian? Well, you, you, have, to, you have to separate those two, right? Um, yeah. 
I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss sales. That certainly is a vital component um, in the organization. Yeah. But to quote, um, to quote another guest I had on the, uh, on my show, um, sorry, Casey, it wasn't you. Um, another guy, um, branding <laughs> is the grease on the machine of the organization. I like that. Do you remember who Wait, said that? Shout, I do. Shout out. I do. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Mark Stoos. All right, Mark, what's up, man? We will try to find his episode link to it. Yep. Yep. Um, so, so it's the grease, huh? It like, mm, it helps. Keeps it moving. Yeah. Keeps it going. Keeps it going. You Make need sure grease. That it runs properly. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but the analogy I love to use when people ask me like, why is branding so important and why do you need branding and, and right. you know, branding this branding that. So the analogy I like to go back to, and I think a lot of people in North America can relate to it. Using the real estate analogy, using the okay. house building analogy. Okay. Okay. So just imagine if you will, uh, you're, you're building a house, you've got your contracting team and they've got all the building materials and the skills and the know-how and the experience and all that. And they're trying to build this house without an architect's blueprint. What is that house going to look like? Right. Who knows, tough, right? Man. <laughs> might be good. Might be bad. Might be able to build a, a dog house without a blueprint, but <laughs> Man, they, uh, houses yeah. get complicated. Yeah. So I'm going to hazard a guess and say that, um, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a bit challenging because um, these guys probably know what they're doing and they have that relevant experience, but if they don't know what the house is going to look like at the end of the day, that's where they can be a treading or uh, let's use a nautical term here, navigating into murky waters. Yeah. Right? Um, and most important of all, just to, pile onto that housing analogy just imagine building a house without having a solid foundation yeah it'd be terrible it immediately ah. falls over right away and Absolutely. no matter what you build it's always going to fall over and you can't can't imagine why it keeps falling over on you right absolutely absolutely yeah. so it's 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 the same thing with branding so if we're gonna uh, think about that analogy for a second and then we go back to branding that's really what branding is it forms that foundation it forms that strategic framework that is then needed, not just for marketing, but also ultimately for sales and other functions within the organization. Because I think one of the other misconceptions is that, you know, people tie uh, branding to, well, that's the that's stuff that the marketing people do, right? Right. So I would say that's partly correct, right? Because marketing should take the, um, should be in the driver's seat or they should take the lead. Um, they should be the, uh, the, the custodian, right? Um, when it comes to branding, but it is a collective responsibility within the organization. And that's one of the biggest shifts that I've seen when it comes to marketing. Previously, it was like, okay, that's marketing's job, but now it's a collective thing. And why do I say that? Okay. Not, not to stray too far off the topic now, but yeah. um, I, I, you know, this is probably one of these like overused, uh, overused terms that you've seen on LinkedIn and other platforms, but the great resignation, the great reshuffle, um, you know, companies uh, coming to you or you're having conversations with companies where they're saying, hey, Casey, listen, we're, we're really having problems um, hiring the right people or finding right. the right talent. Right. And right. I would I would say that part of that, um, you know, uh, links back to branding as well. Right. Because it's also positioning that specific company as an employer of choice in a market where people are inundated with um, choices. Right. What would make you stand out and be that company of choice, right? So it's, right. it's, it's things like that, right? 
man, how does something, I mean, you, you can't go without a foundation. You can't go Absolutely. without a blueprint. Right. How is something so by this definition, critical to everything, not just sales and marketing, but the whole company, it's go to market approach. How is something so critical, so overlooked and so like cast aside, where does this misconception come from? I can speak mostly to B2B because that's, you know, oh, yeah, spent, for sure. I've spent the best part of, uh, you know, the best part of my career Um, B2B traditionally. I mean, the, it's changing, right? But there's still sure. plenty of opportunity out there. But just to answer your question, uh, many B2B companies and industries are very uh, sales and product driven, right? They have been built up, you know, especially those, I would say in, in, in legacy industries or traditional industries, they were very driven uh, by sales results, right? Or by the efforts of the salespeople or by the effort of the, the uh, functions or organs within the company responsible for uh, putting out those products. Gotcha. Um, I know I make it sound much simpler than it really well, is. Well, no, I mean, I get it. It's like the, it's yeah. like a legacy mindset, right? Like it's how we always did it. Correct. So it is like Correct. a status quo. It's not like people became idiots. No. We just have evolved <laughs> to know better. And well, not well, everyone has. You well, know? let me ask you this, Casey. Like, I'm sure you've never heard this one before. We've been doing it like that for 20 years and it served us well. Why do we need to change that now? I know, right? That's right. You, you literally know many of the people riding horses said that to the car people, you know? Pretty much. And like, what Pretty do you much. say to that? Well, and, the horse does get you there. And 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 so here's the thing. And I'm I'm not to say it's not necessarily only because of what's been happening in the past two years. You know, I'll give you a hint. It starts with C, ends with D, and then there's 19 attached to it, right? (laughs) (laughs) But even before that, I would even say five years ago, we already saw these dramatic shifts within different B2B um, industry segments and verticals, right? And what what kind of shifts am I talking about? Um, Certain... um, Certain methodologies were no longer working. Uh, certain ways of, co- uh, you know, certain uh, methods of customer acquisition um, were no longer relevant or just not as effective as they used to be. <coughs> Conferences. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, excuse me. Sore throat, you know. <laughs> right. Um, digitization. Yep. So rapid digitization and advancement of technologies, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's made certain functions obsolete, but it's it's getting to that point where it's um, it's making certain roles, uh, re- you know, uh, no longer relevant um, to the current state of affairs, right? So you you take all of that, and 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 of course, um, and let's not forget, um, and I think it's something you brought up uh, when you were on my show, uh, new competitors and new market entrants, right? If we yeah. just, you know, let's let's narrow it down a little bit, and even 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 this narrowing down seems a bit broad. Let's let's just think about SaaS, right? Right. How many companies were there? How many SaaS companies were there six years ago versus now? Right. Uh, I mean, it's probably grown tremendously, right? It's probably yeah. grown. It's tripled, quadrupled, right? I mean, uh, like there were. I can't remember the exact figure, but like uh, let's say five years ago, I'm just gonna throw out a, a, a random number there. But let's say there were 50,000 SaaS companies, right? Okay. There's probably a, like a million now. Right. Yeah, it's not right. a linear growth, right? No, There's just Correct. Yeah. Correct. And and I'm and don't worry, I'm going somewhere with this. This yeah, is, sure, this is me like ra- ra- rambling on. New market entrants, new competition, new companies 
they're not necessarily all um, you know, offering the same type of product or service, yeah. but many of them do. Right. right. So here comes the question. In this world of unlimited supply and also increasing demand, how are you as a company going to stand out amidst that sea of sameness where, yeah. you know, there's so much noise, there's so much competition. What will make your potential customer choose you over company B? Right. What? Right. right. What will make them choose you? Well, well yeah. God, we don't want it to be price. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I <laughs> you know, just before you hit record, I was almost anticipating that you were going to bring that one up. So I had something prepared. Oh, um, yeah. There is a, there, there, there are several studies, right? And the, you know, take your pick McKinsey, Gartner, Forrester, right? So I looked at mm -hmm. one by Forrester, right? And they did a survey of, I think it was about 200 uh, B2B buyers or people responsible for purchasing decisions within B2B companies all around the world, right? Okay. And, and they asked, okay, so what would make you decide what would what would seal the deal for you, right? What would uh, what would make you want to purchase uh, said product from said service provider? And guess right. what they didn't guess what was what wasn't the first answer price. Right, right. The yeah, first right. answer the first answer was does this vendor already have experience with our company? Do they already know our business? Do they are they within our industry? And right. if I go and check with my industry colleagues or my peers within my communities and my circles, when I ask them, hey, have you heard of company X? What will these people say? Right? Hmm. So it all indirectly trickles back to that's the importance of branding. Right. right. And the thing that a lot of people don't understand, and I think this is it's important to bring this up in this conversation, you cannot measure or you cannot um, track uh, results for brand effectiveness the same way that you track sales. Right? Oh, okay. So that's probably what throws people off, right? Is, yes. is they're trying to make it fit into that box and it doesn't, it doesn't want to. No. No. And um, I, I would say, at least in my experience, the answer is not very straightforward because there are a lot of components there. There's a lot of components in terms of um, how do you measure if what you're doing in terms of your branding efforts is working or not, right? But Go what ahead. I can say, what I can say is this, and and that's why I love using. Excuse me for going back to the real estate analogy, but that's why I like comparing it to real estate because people generally, if you if you you know if you're a homeowner, your first time homeowner, or whatever, you understand the comparison because it's very similar. It's an investment. Right that you make right now for long-term gains. It's not something where you can just cash out in three months. Right. So yeah, you can't, you can't cash it in quickly and you also can't cash it out quickly. It's not, Correct. it's not how it works. Whereas maybe Correct. with like PPC, you can get some leads in, mm -hmm. you can cash some sales out. That's right. It's this otherworldly thing. It's That's the right. foundation. That's that doesn't right. change. Exactly. And yeah. similar and similar to real estate, similar to a house, a brand is a living, breathing thing. Now, I know that a house isn't a living, breathing thing, but what I'm <clears throat> what I'm trying to say is you have to constantly maintain it. You have to constantly take care of it. Right. You have to see where you're at. Um, if you want to increase its market value, maybe, you know, fix up your garage, you know, fix up the basement. Right. 
you throw in a pool in the backyard, um, something I wouldn't recommend up in Canada because you can only use it like one month a year. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> one month. Hey, it's it's pool time. <laughs> and the rest of the time, you just turn it into a hockey rink, right? Right. But like, <laughs> different stocks for different folks. But I think where I'm going right. with this is you have to treat um, a, your company's brand the same way. This yeah. isn't something, and, and I'm sure you've heard this one too. This isn't something where you say, oh, Casey, come on, man. We, we don't need branding. I mean, like we've got a logo on a website. We're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not that straightforward. No. Right? So, yeah. And so, I mean, mm. I, I hear this convincing argument. And so how do we do it? Uh, before how we do it right, can you define what it is? Because I feel like that contributes to most of this, a lot of this misunderstanding. Absolutely. You, you mean um, define what a brand is or yeah. what brand, branding is? Okay, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let me start. Okay, terrific question. Let me start by telling you uh, or and telling the listeners out there what a brand is not. Okay. Let's start with that, right? A brand is not your logo. A brand is not your website. A brand is not an ad, right? Your brand is not your swag. And probably by this point in the conversation, people listening to this are going, are you freaking nuts? Of course, that's part of the branding. Uh, you know, of course, that's part of branding. Right. And I'm going to say that is the end result of branding, right? That's an outcome of branding. That, but that in itself is not your brand, right? right. So what brand actually is, and just, just um, bear with me here for a second, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go real deep. Real yeah, man, quick, let's do it. Right? Let's do it. A brand essentially is a collection of perceptions that your customers, that your stakeholders and your partners half of your company, the products and services you provide, and the values right. that, you, that, that your company represents and that your company believes in. So it's, wow. it gets, it's a little bit abstract, right, in that regard. But there is a way to make that more tangible. And the way that you make that more tangible is by starting with something we call the verbal expression of your brand. Right? Okay. So what in what in tarnation is a verbal expression? So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna break. Yeah. It. Right. What is this thing? <laughs> <laughs> so you start with things like what is your your vision, your mission, and your values, right? Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh gosh, you, you know, I, I've seen some people's like, uh, you know, I I see them slightly rolling their eyes when I start talking about this stuff. But let me um. Let me come back to planet Earth for a second and, and mm-hmm. help help ground this in something that is relatable. Okay. Right? So what is what is a brand mission and a vision and val and the values? So the vision is like what your company aspires to be, right? Do you want to okay. be do you want to be the best uh, the best B two B podcasting company out there that provides companies or hell yeah with a with a great experience, right? So that's, that's, that's your brand vision, right? That's aspirational, right? And your brand mission is building on that, right? So how are you going to achieve that? And what kind of experience do you want your customers to have when they work with you? Right. right? And values are these core fundamental um, principles that you believe in as a company that you then pass on to your people and your, and your customers. So, you know, a lot of people say honesty and transparency, teamwork, keeping it simple, accountability, responsibility, and so on and so forth, right? Right. 
and you go and you go from there to things like okay what uh your positioning so your positioning is like okay what perception do you want others in the market to have about your company right? okay so are you premium are you mid-range are you are you on the on, on the lower cost range are you um are, are you um the podcasting agency for companies and for everybody fast right or yeah. are, you, are you trying to be everything to everyone which is a positioning i wouldn't recommend right, right. um value proposition is something um where you it's the, it's what are you delivering to your customers that is of um value to them and i know that 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 word gets thrown around like you won't believe but mm-hmm. for me value means what are you doing or what are you delivering to customers that is helpful, useful, and meaningful, right? Right. And, and the abbreviation of all of that is hum, right? So what are you humming? I like that. And finally, um, also mess your key messaging. So what are what are the most compelling things about what you do and the benefits that you provide to customers that you convey or that you want to convey, right? Where, where do you get the answers for these things? Those, those seem like the right questions to ask. But they also, mm. I, and I wonder if this is maybe why people don't do this is because this seems like the hard work that happens before the logo, the website, the swag. And, and it's almost more fun to just let's go make a t-shirt because and trying to decide what, who, what you hum, how am I helpful? But also the idea of not being everything to everyone is hard and you kind of want to be. And by doing this, you're deciding not to be, and then you don't know who should you should. I, uh-huh. Does it yeah. does that when you help people with brand, you end up having these spirals questions of people aren't, don't even know if they want to decide if they have a you know, niche to go after. Well, okay, no, terrific question, and, and I get yeah. I, and I get asked that all the time. So the answer to that question um, is really look at the end of the day, um, you find the answers to these questions by conducting research. And it can come in different formats. Um, and I, I would say the easier one to do is, you know, qualitative where you do surveys. But I would argue right. that to answer the questions of all these attributes I just mentioned, you're going to have to do uh, qualitative, right? Which means you have to conduct, conduct uh, in-depth interviews, right? And the insights generated and the answers provided from, from this uh, research will then give you the answers that you need. And so the, the next question might be, okay, so who are you gonna who are you gonna interview, Christian? I'm I'm really curious. Um, in an ideal world, it would be a it would be a balance of like internal and external stakeholders. So internal, obviously, being employees, and, and right. I would say em- employees beyond the beyond the senior management, right? So mm-hmm. different different levels of the organization. External being customers, right? And even customers, you could you could segment them further, right? You can you can talk to existing customers. You can talk to um, previous customers, you can talk to customers that decided not to not to work with your company anymore. Although those are difficult conversations, but I would argue that difficult conversations need to be had as well, right? Mm, it's actually right. important. It's actually important to have those difficult conversations because that's how you learn and that's how you improve, right? right? So that's that's where I would start. But the question the question you asked me is how do you go about branding, right? And I. And right. I started. I started by answering the question about what you should not do. Right. 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 Okay. Well, quick. Quick tangent. Then. Yeah. Please. Uh, you can't be the podcasting agency for everyone. Right. 
you got to pick some battles. Mm-hmm. You got to pick how how have companies gone about figuring out that? I mean, I've got a few. Do you just finger in the air? You like pick one? How how does that tend to happen? Um, the answer I'm going to say is not very straightforward. I'm going to say there's no cool. there's no rank and file answer to say like, oh, a- K- Casey, that's really easy. You just do ABC, right? right. Um, you it's in my experience, it's a combination of like, what is your own skill set and competency, right? Whether that's you as the individual or you as the company collectively, right? Look at look at the companies that you've dealt with in the past. And I've worked with a, co- a couple of companies where, or clients where they said, um, well, you know, we provide our solutions to everybody. And I would, uh, I would argue that that is, I don't, I doubt that's true. Not true. Right? Yeah. Can't be true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and why do I say that? Because if you look back at like historical uh, sales, uh, sales deals, for example, that were closed, yep. look at the ones where you as a company, not just generated the most revenue, but which accounts were the most profitable. Which of the accounts that you've worked with on a longer term uh, basis came back to you to work with you? Which one of these companies have you worked with for a longer period of time who have recommended you and your services to others? Right. right? So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, elements in this process that can't necessarily be um, quantified or or uh, attributable. Right. Right. but that's the way that I would go about defining that. And, and that, so that's one part of it. The second part of it is, okay, now, now with that knowledge, does that necessarily mean you only focus on these, uh, this historical data and these historical clients? Not necessarily, especially now that you know, things have changed so much, right? So the other question I would, um, I would urge companies to ask themselves, right, is now with, armed with that knowledge and with our known skills and competencies, who can we provide? Um, I'm going to avoid saying the word, the word value, but who, who can we, who can we help the most with what we have to offer? Right. Who stands to gain the most? Um, and I would even look at it from a perspective. Okay. Who, which segments should we go after where we know that they have these pain points, these challenges, right? Right. Th- these are the, the goals and objectives <laughs> that they need to reach. And why are we the ones that are best equipped to help them to get where they need to go? That's how I would go about addressing that. Um, that, that makes total part. sense, man. I really appreciate you. Yeah. No, please. Ciphering that. My pleasure. My pleasure. So we've got brand. Mm-hmm. Is is it is now the time to talk about how to do it right? I feel like we've we're creating it correctly. Then how yes. once it's sort of created, and obviously this is a. If you're listening to this and it sounds like we're skipping a few steps, that's why you need to go hire Christian to help you with the brand process. But let's say you've done that or you, you, they've read your future book and, and, and now they're ready to express the brand and like action it and get it in front of people. How, how, do, you, how do you do that? How do you brand? How do you do branding? Yeah. Oh, great question. Um, it was something uh, you know, uh, another uh, podcast host asked me when I was interviewed by him. And I would say that it's a, it's generally a two pronged approach. And what I mean by that is like, again, it's going back to the whole um, misconception that many people have is when people hear the word branding, they immediately default to the visual aspect, the visual aesthetic. While I'm not dismissing that, okay, for all you visual branders out there, please, I'm not writing on your parade here. 
design is important. And I'll give you an example. You do not want to look like, you know, uh, your website was designed in 2001, right? And it's not responsive on mobile, right? So those things. Uh, <laughs> That's you know, a good point. You know That's a I mean? good point. Like, <laughs> yeah, or you're just, or, or, or you look at the webs, or you look at somebody's website and you know exactly which, uh, which uh, stock image archive they pulled that out of, right? Like just a lot of pictures of people high-fiving each other and that, you know, that conveys, um, and, and that's going back to that whole sea of sameness, right? So again, it's, it's, a, it's about the image that you want to convey and it doesn't necessarily just translate visually, it's verbally too. So what kind of messaging do you have on your website, on your, on your sales material, on your social media platform, right? So, but now I'm going to, I'm going to go and answer your question. Um, Cause I think this is e e even, <laughs> the suspense is killing me. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I think, um, so we've discussed a couple of the steps already, but I, I, I would say the way to do it like the right way. Yeah. Is yeah. you need to have clear answers to the questions. And, and, and this is, and this part of it is, I think is stable stakes. Who is your target audience? Right. And why are they the right fit for what you offer? Right. So even if you're a company like Cisco, who is huge, right? Cisco will still have niches that they go after based on specific products and services that they are offering to said vertical, right? right? So niche down based on the audience and the specific problem that you know that they're facing. So back to what I was saying earlier, what are their pain points? What are their challenges? How can you help them? And what, and, and then the next question, um, is what do you want to be known for? What makes you different, right? And don't say pricing or don't, um, please, how, how many times have you heard this one? What makes us different is our people. <laughs> I doubt that, right? Interesting, and, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, I don't, again, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but why, why do I say that pe the, the people doesn't make you, uh, doesn't make you unique or doesn't set you apart because a lot of people leave, right? Right, right. And you're, then and, and then what? Right. So again, not dismissing, but not dismissing that people are a key component, but what is it beyond that? Right. Is it something about your offer? Is it something about the systems and processes you have in place? Is it something about your capability to to solve the problems of customers and, and how you help them? Mm. Okay. Right? So that's that's the first thing. The second thing, as I said before, is you, you got to do your homework, right? You got you to gotta do your market research. And that's important, not just to help define, better define the branding aspect and the, and the development of your brand, but it's also important for you to know where your target audience goes to look for information or answers to their questions. And so why, right. is, that, why is that important? Hmm, why is that important? It's important because if you understand what they're, what their questions, their challenges and objections are, my goodness, you're going to have a lot of content that you, that you can develop that will help to answer these questions. And you can put that stuff out there <clears throat> in a podcast um, exactly. or, or, or other mediums. And people will pick up that content and go, hey, that's, that, that's exactly the kind of like, uh, you know, that, that was the answer that we were looking for. Or we were looking yeah. for an answer to that, to that question, that challenge, right? And let, let, let me just drop the statistic on you, okay? Yeah, please. So you probably read this report. Um, it's by Gartner. And it's about the complexity of the B2B buying journey, okay? 
So let's just put it this way. Um, short of saying the obvious, the buying journey in B2B is not linear, right? If you look sure. at the chart they came up with based on based on the hundreds of interviews they did, it looks like a just it looks like an explosion, right? Because mm-hmm. it's all over the place. And why is it all over the place? Because you get to one stage of the process and then they start going back, right? They start going back and they go to somebody's website and download the white paper. And then they take that white paper and then put it into a community and say, hey, what's, what's your take on this? And then they go to a Slack channel, right? And chat with a couple of their industry peers. So it's, it's, very, it's a very haphazard process, right? But so here's the thing. The statistic I was going to drop on you is 17%. And what does the 17% stand for? Or what does it represent? Right. When B2B buyers decide that said vendor meets their criteria and their requirements, they only spend 17% of their time actually talking to that vendor. Hmm. That's after they, they decide it meets the requirements? Yeah. Right. So what does that tell you? That tells you that um, they prefer they prefer to actually like conduct their own research, right? And their own um, inquiries and get some, you know, do some of their own like verification and validation. Right. Uh, and, and they don't even want to, sometimes don't even want to talk to the sales rep. Right. So how do you address? So given, and this isn't something I made up. This is, you, you, can, you can go and look it up, right? It's, um, this is based on research, right? It's not necessarily yep. representative of the entire ecosystem, but it's representative of a few hundred B2B companies that were, that were interviewed. Well, okay, and going back to my question. So with that in mind, right, what, what are companies going to do now to get in front of these B2B buyers if they don't want to talk to your salespeople? You've right. got to find another way. And I would argue that way is to do something online that makes you, as they say, Google easily. Yeah, and you don't have control over that, or maybe oh. you do. No. Well, to a certain extent. Yeah, it's not, but it's not direct control. It's sort of out of your hands because your hands. they're doing their research out there. Correct. Correct. All right. So that's the that's that's second point. The third okay. point, which I think is, is something that um, whether you're in marketing or sales, you need to do this anyway. Um, talk to your customers, right? Something I mentioned before. You need to talk to your customers, not just the existing customers, but even even past customers or or prospects or leads where the deal didn't go through, right? And get an understanding about like why you are the, the right fit for them or not, right? And and ideally, if you can, because I know regulations vary depending on where you are, but record the, the conversation. Yeah. Right? And listen and listen to the questions that they have, the objections that they make. And also what their aspirations are. Like, why are they, why did they even come to your company in the first place? Right? Why were they considering you? They, they, they were probably considering you because they, they have a, a challenge that needs to be addressed. And they thought perhaps you might, you might be able to help them um, further along in that journey. Right. right. I'm making it sound simpler than it actually is, but I think you know where I'm going. Right. Um, and you listen back to those conversations and the insights that you generate from these conversations are gold um, for marketing teams to develop content that you can put out there to help build your brand. And this is where I'm going with all this, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not just to have beautiful images. It's to help build your brand's reputation and position your company 
as an expert, right? And, and build that authority and expertise and credibility. Because how often have you heard this, uh, Casey? Like um, people will work with people they know, like, and trust. Right. And if you have that credibility and you have that expertise that helps them to make informed decisions, then you've, then you've built that trust, right? And this is why, and I'm sure you're the same way, but this is why I get so frustrated with some of these guys that are constantly pitch slapping you or me on LinkedIn. Um, and some of them are providing services that are bigger ticket, right? And why would they think that I would immediately say, yes, let's jump on a call. And yes, I'm going to buy whatever you have to sell. If I, I don't even know who you are. Right. And if I, and if I look you up, what am I going to find? Right. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> and that's, and, 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 that, and that's something that people need to consider. Right. That's, that's do, what man. people need to consider. So Ooh, powerful. Uh, yeah. Yeah, if, if if this is getting too deep, tell me, and then we'll we'll, we'll no, we'll no, this is powerful, man. I man, I've got notes over here like crazy. <laughs> okay, okay. So that's when you're doing your research, right? So now we've we've gone through the whole like understanding who your target audience is, talking to your customers, mm-hmm. understanding where they go to get their information. I think another thing which is important to understand if companies haven't done this already is understand what that buyer's journey looks like, right? I just brought that one up about Gartner, right? So is your customer's decision-making process, the buying journey, how complex is it? Who are the stakeholders that are involved at each stage of that journey? Because they are going to be different, right? Some of them will be there all throughout the journey. Some of them will be, some of them will be different. And I, and I would say even you, ca- you can categorize the stakeholders, right? right. What do I mean by categorize? <clears throat> So you've, I've seen some of these turns floating around on LinkedIn. So I'm going to try to like use some of them. You'll have your champions, right? So these are the guys that are going to call the shots. You'll have your influencers. So people that are, they don't necessarily make the call. They don't make the decision to buy what you have to sell, but they sure as heck have an influence over that process, right? Mm. And blockers. Blockers, right. Blockers. And blockers, I'm um, sorry in advance, but blockers are like, you know, finance or legal. right? Party poopers, honestly. Or, or, or procurement. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So these are the people that they, they, they may have the final say because, you know, at the end of the day, like once, uh, once the buying committee has made a decision, it gets, you know, it then gets reviewed by these guys, right? To, mm-hmm. to make sure that, you know, it's compliant, it's all it's all legal. Um, payment terms are okay. Uh, pricing's okay, right? Um, all in accordance with um, the company's procedures, right? So right. it's important for you to understand, and I like to call it, and who who is part of the ecosystem, right? Because I think a, a mistake that a lot of people make is they always go straight for the decision maker, mm-hmm. right? And they get frustrated when they can't reach that person. Yeah, which yeah. is why it's important to reach out to all the different stakeholders within the ecosystem. But this is what you need to remember. And this is why messaging is important. Each person will care about different things. Each stakeholder in that ecosystem will have different sets of priorities and things that they consider important. So make sure that your messaging also appeals to the right people because different 
members of the target audience will have different, as I said, different priorities, different things that are relevant to them and different things that they will care about. And that's why this cookie cutter, like one size fits all approach generally doesn't work. Right. Right. Yeah. Certainly not one size fits all. No, no. So after you've done all of that, also, it's important to understand, um, you know, people in your, I, I like to call it your competitive ecosystem. Okay. Because let's face it. And, you know, sometimes once in a while you hear people say like, oh, we don't have any competition. We're the only ones, uh, we're the only ones that provide this in the market. Whereas I would argue if your customer or your would-be customer has an alternative to the product or service that you're providing, whether that's the same as what you're offering or not, that's competition. hundred mm. percent. Yeah. Like, yeah. like for, uh, for me, sometimes it's uh, either people launching their own podcast or them guesting on someone else's podcast. Right. You know, it's like yes. two different sides of the coin. Uh, it's a completely different thing, but in some people's minds, unless it's, you know, detailed out to them, they might think of it as the same thing and it, it'll compete. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Man. So well, dude, yeah. this is, this is so good. I mean, I could, I, I could keep going on and on and on because we, we, we just got past the research part. But like, <laughs> okay. 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 What comes after? Yeah, right. There's, yeah. there's so much. Okay. Research. And then what's next? And then that's when you develop your brand, uh, your, your brand strategy or your, okay. and your branding per se. Right. And that's where you basically split it into two groups if it hasn't been done already. Right. Um, and so that's, again, going back to the verbal expression of your brand and the visual expression of your brand. I think the visual expression people will easily understand. Right. So that's basically, okay. Does your, do you need a new logo? Um, does your, does your current logo need a refresh? What about your website? Do you have branding guidelines that, you know, it's that, it's that like um, big document that shows you what colors to use, what font to use and, and, and all that good stuff. But the verbal expression is basically talking about things like, okay, points of differentiation. And in my experience, there tends to be three. And what does that, what, what does that even mean? Points of differentiation are what are the three things that will make you unique as a brand. Mm-hmm. And that's not based on what you and the board of directors discussed internally. That's based on the research that you conducted with your customers. From the research. Right. Yeah. That that's a, I mean, I don't know if you've used traction or EOS, but there's a thing in there that says, what are your three uniques? Yep. And it's a small little question. It doesn't get much attention, but it's so much bigger to your, to your point, mm. all that, like now, yeah. if you've done all this work you've described, maybe it's not so hard. It just sort of right. bubbled out from conversations and you actually right. talked to customer. You actually listened. Right. But if you haven't done any of that stuff, the idea of trying to figure that out is really challenging. Correct. Correct. And you'd be surprised, Casey. Like, you know, if I've asked customer, some customers like, um, uh, you know, what makes you guys different yeah. as a brand and how often I've, you know, some of them can answer with confidence. Others were struggling to answer that question. Yeah. Right. And when, and, and even some, some of those that answer the question with confidence, when you hear the answers, I'm like, yeah, that kind of sounds the same as the, uh, <laughs> as the other guy. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Like everyone just said it's the most user-friendly thing there. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, again, don't take my word for it because, you know, a lot of, a, a lot of guys are like, oh, you branding people, but like, um, don't <laughs> take my word for it. 
The next time you get on a discovery call with a prospect that's never heard of you or, mm-hmm. or that's only heard of you, like, you know, when, when, when they agree to the call and they ask you that question, I would, I would urge you to record their reaction when you answer. This is record, what makes us different. Record the reaction. Record the reaction. And if they, if they accept, if they accept your explanation or not, right. They roll their eyes. Mm. Well, they, probably, <laughs> they probably won't roll their eyes, but they'll right. probably go. They'll probably go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We will uh, discuss this internally and get back to you. Right. Right. Like, right? So that's, uh, so that's, that's why that's important. Right. Um, so you start with the points of differentiation, you go, and then you go with what I said, like uh, positioning. So how you're perceived right. in the minds of the target audience your value proposition in terms of the experience and the benefits that you want to deliver to customers and messaging. So what would customers, what would make them relate to your brand based on the research that you conducted? And then you group that into a messaging house. So why do I say messaging house? Because once again, your brand messaging will be different for uh, the different members of the target audience. Because when we're talking about target audience here, we're not just talking about customers. We're talking about also potential talent, right? What would make you the employer of choice? Yeah. Why would they choose to come and work with you over the Googles and the IBMs of the world? Right. right? Man. So think about um, the other thing I would do, and this is not necessarily the, uh, um, always directed at uh, brand strategy, but developing target personas. Mm. and uh, your customer journey map, right? And that's also based on research. So target personas obviously are, they're, as the name implies, it's it's a semi-fictional representation, right? And uh, I would probably like urge you to go deeper than um, than a frustrated Frank, right? Like, I mean, we've all seen those target personas. We have, man. And, and, and that ain't it, right? That ain't no, it's not. Let me let me tell you, Casey, because nobody gives a hoot if frustrated Frank is married with two kids and likes to go to baseball on Sundays. That's not the type of persona you're looking for. (laughs) Hates Chevrolets. No, yeah, doesn't actually matter. What 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 you actually need to be thinking about when you're developing personas is okay. So, what level is this guy at in the organization? Is he a decision maker or is he an influencer? Right. What is a what does a typical day in the life of frustrated Frank look like? What are what is his mandate? What are the things that he needs to achieve, right, in his yeah. job? And why is that important? Because that will help you figure out how what you provide will fit into his um into his plan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where does frustrated Frank go to look for information if he asks questions? And like, oh gosh, I really need um I really need to find a solution to X Y Z. Where does he go? Google, Slack, LinkedIn. Where does he go? Right. Preferences and objectives. So preferences is like, okay, what would, uh, what does he like, and what does he prefer? And here we're talking professionally. Okay, so none of this yeah. like baseball on Sunday stuff, right? <laughs> right. What are the things that he might object to? Mm. Right. So what are the things that would impede his decision making? Right. right? So you come up with personas like that because um, that will help not just you, that will also help your salespeople to understand, okay, this is the kind of person that I should be reaching out to, right? And I would even go a step further if you can. 
while you're developing a target persona, I would also develop an anti-target persona. And what does that mean? That's the type of person that you probably shouldn't be working with because they're not a right fit. Mm, I like that. So you can be on the lookout for it and not sell it to them and find out later who shouldn't be working together. Yeah, because I mean, like, look, we, you know, I'm not going to call anybody out, but like, you know, we've, we've all seen them. Like, oh, I, yeah. I, I like, I like to call them window shoppers, right? They just want to see what's out there, right? And jerks too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If you, if you don't give them what customers. they want or, or, or they think your price is too high, then they'll make some like really like condescending remarks and you'll never hear from them again. Right. <laughs> uh, if you're lucky, if, if you're, you're not lucky, lucky, they actually end up buying from you and they just, drive you bonkers forever Hmm. yeah that's uh that's what i there's that old acdc song from the 90s called highway to highway to hell right right. that's exactly what that is that is exactly (laughs) what that is yeah yeah uh customer journey mapping we've we've talked about it so the different Mm -hmm. stages and i and i would say in the mapping you got to think about it this way right the the different stages and what they would care about at each stage and what the key touch points at each stage are. are. And when we, when we talk about touch points here, we're generally referring to like, um, you know, uh, communications channels, right? Right. And that again is from research. That is not something where you're, you're hiring somebody to make a wild guess. Right. Um, and based on, based on a certain number of factors and attributes, then you can see at which stage, what you should be, paying attention to and prioritizing and that will help with your planning that's why this stuff is important and, and that's why i always urge clients not to skip this part right right because you're 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 gonna you're gonna pay you're gonna pay for not doing this due diligence up front um because yeah. you're gonna keep you're gonna keep creating you're gonna keep doing things taking action in the yeah. wrong direction and, and and you'll create things that never actually help you. And so you're constantly, it's like you're slipping on ice. You're never quite making it forward. Correct. Yeah. So there's that aspect of it. And there's, so I was talking about the verbal expression. So now I'm talking about the visual expression and the visual expression. I mean, this is a completely different podcast interview, but I'm just going to give you the cliff (laughs) version. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll give you the cliff notes version. That'll be, that'll be, Um, you know, round two. And we have you back. Have you, have you go in more deep? Yeah. 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 Give us this. and, and don't take my word for it, Casey. You can talk to anybody that's that's designed a website, anybody that's a graphic designer. And there, there's always been two schools of thought, and, and they've always thrown out this question. What should come first, the design or the copy? And the answer always needs to be the copy. Yeah. Right? And so that's why you start with a verbal expression of your brand first, because that will determine how... Um, your brand will then be visually translated, as I like to call it, right? What yes. kind of colors you should use? What kind of uh, what kind of style? What kind of font? What kind of imagery? And while I understand that some of that is um, very subjective, because um, I mean, let's be honest. Like maybe something that I find beautiful, you might be like, "Ugh, what are, what are you what are you doing, man?" Right? But again, it goes back to how do you want to be perceived in the market? What kind of image do you want to project, right? Yep. And I know that this isn't a podcast about design. Uh, this isn't a podcast interview about design. But like, I, I, what I'm trying to say here is um, going back to what I uh, was talking about, like early on in the conversation. You do not want to look like okay, the last time you <laughs> you upgraded your website was in 2001, right? You. Right. You have to make it relevant with the times, right? 
And I think another trending uh, factor in North America, at least, and again, this really depends on your industry, but um, are you trying to project an image as um, a company that believes in, you know, is, is, is an inclusive environment, right? So is that is that reflected in your image? Are you environmentally friendly if you're not, for those of you that are not remote and you actually have a physical uh, physical office space, right? So all, all of these questions, right? So again, it's it goes back to, and this is why the verbal part of it needs to be done first. Like what kind of image do you wanna project and what, what do you want people to remember about you and your brand and what you're putting out there. So now that we've gotten past all this, um, like the like the design aspect of it, um, yeah. What's another way that you can build your brand beyond the beyond the visuals? And it was going back to what I said earlier: is positioning yourself and building on that authority and expertise within your niche, right? Yes. So in your in your case about like podcasting, right? And this is where some of that research that you conducted with these customers and what have you, this is where this can really, you can really take that um, to another level and you can develop content that is addressed, that is helping to address these challenges and objections. And let me just give you a concrete example, because I know a lot of people might be listening to this and going, yeah, but that's uh, that's very generic and theoretical, Christian. Like, give us, give us the real deal here. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, blah, right? Um, it's, it's part of the pretext, and I might have talked to you about this, this is the pretext why I started my, my podcast, right? B2B Marketers on a Mission. It was bo born out of a frustration that I had professionally and that clients of mine had, right? Which is yeah. that in B2B, more often than not, unfortunately, um, organizations tend to treat marketing as secondary and as a support function, yeah. right? And every time with every crisis that comes rolling around the corner, whose budget is the first to get slashed, right? Or mm -hmm. thanks for your, and I've been, I've, I've, been, I've been on the receiving end of this where I was in corporate marketing in another lifetime and we spent months coming up with these detailed uh, plans and strategic plans based on market research where we actually went out and interviewed customers. Right. And, and the board of directors said, well, thanks for your help, but we're going to take that money and invest it in, um, in other departments. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that this is going to change overnight, but it is changing. I think that's the one positive aspect I can see that it is changing. Right. And, um, that, and it can change by take, you know, taking more control this way. Correct. Correct. So, and I think it's important to keep that momentum going and to help to shift that mindset within organizations to help them see that marketing has the opportunity to have a more strategic role and that marketing should have a voice at the table at, in the upper levels of the organization. Right? right. But so here's the but. But in order for that to happen, marketers need to change too. Yeah. Right. Marketers yep. need to change the way they work. Way Marketers need to change the way they think. They need to yep. be accountable for a part of the revenue. They need to understand how their how their companies generate revenue. They need to understand revenue versus profit, right? It it certainly wouldn't it certainly wouldn't help uh, hurt, right? No, it certainly, certainly hurt, certainly right? Um, for them to have uh, sales training, 
for them to have training and finance as well so that they understand again the inner inner uh, machinery within the organization right so true man. and going back <laughs> come on chris long story get to the point yeah, um, no. so, <laughs> um the way that i the, the way that i um planned out my podcast and what i'm what, what i mean by that is like uh you know i created a content plan and um about okay who should i bring on right what kind of people right. should i be interviewing and the way that i did i i, I do that is i i do quite a bit of social listening. I do some research and I, I, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. And I look at what people are talking about and what kind of topics they're discussing, yeah. what kind of questions are they're asking, what kind of things that they're having very passionate exchanges and disagreements about. Mm-hmm. And I put that all into a spreadsheet, right? Mm. I split it up, right? So observations, questions, and all that, right? So there's one column for that. There's another column for how can you address this objection? And then the answer, right? And the answer generally tends to be around a, a B2B uh, marketing discipline or an area of expertise. So for example, SEO, customer experience, customer success, market right. research. And then I go out and, and find, okay, so who, is, who would be somebody that's not only qualified, but also has enough experience to speak at length about this topic? topic right comfortably right right yep so by that taking that example going back to uh the one about b2b branding um companies can do that as well right they can identify these pain points that their niche is having or people in their industry are facing and they can develop content to address these questions that um, you know address these challenges mm-hmm. right so that's one way, right? And they can distribute that content, that, and that can be through social media. That can be by guesting exactly. on podcasts, all the all the channels, all, yeah, all, all of that stuff. Video. I mean, you know, it, it's it's endless, right? So that's that's certainly one uh, that's one way to do it. I think, which is great, and um, being uh, being also creative in the content. So I'm not just talking about like creating written content. Like I said, there's different formats, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Another way that I think that um, people can build brands is again, um, you know, uh, there's a book by a guy called Donald Miller, right? So it's mm. um, it's called the story brand. Yeah. So it's using that story brand approach. And what does the story brand approach consist of, right? So I'm gonna take the, I'm gonna summarize the 200 pages of that book into probably two sentences. Okay. Right? That's so cool. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. So. <laughs> Donald Miller said, or basically the whole pretext of the story brand is based on the classic format for any story or myth, right? Throughout history and across different cultures. And it consists of seven parts. What are those seven parts? A hero has a problem, meets a guide, gives him a plan, encourages him to take action or her which then leads to success and avoids failure take that um template or formula whatever you want to call it yeah and apply that to the way that you tell your tell your story build your brand but here's the important thing the hero of the story is not your brand (laughs) The hero of your story is your customer. 
Yeah. You're the guide. The brand, your brand is the guide in the story. Right. And that's something that you need to, that's something you need to remember because often enough, I've seen that happen where the companies make themselves the hero of the story. And that, yep. that, 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 that tends not to go well. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're not the hero. You're the guide. Correct. Correct. Dude, this is so good, Keep man. Going, you, man. <laughs> you are like, you are my new, um, Jedi master sensei of all things brand. I can't believe, I, I feel like we probably scratched the surface. It's almost like I probably asked Elon Musk how to build a rocket. Yeah. We just we just talked about maybe the nozzle of one of the rockets just now. There's so much more to this, but I want to shift just a little bit here. Um, who are you? Who are you? I've been on your podcast. Now you've been on my podcast. You absolutely know what you're talking about. You are preaching the right message and you're teaching everyone how to do this the right way. But take me back in time. Little you days, little Chris, what was he doing? What was he growing up? What was it like? Did you know you're going to be an entrepreneur, a brand wizard at that when you got older? What was it like? Oh, ab- absolutely not. But like, you know, that, thanks for that question. I mean, um, that was actually a fun one. <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah, so a little bit about me. Um, you know, my name is Christian and um, I'm originally from Austria. And that's if for those of you that don't know where that is, it's a country in Central Europe. Uh, not to be confused with Australia, because God knows <laughs> I've had that happen to me a couple of times. Right? <laughs> and I, I don't know if you've seen Dumb and Dumber in the night. Yes. Like Australia. Good night, mate. Right? No, 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 no. I'm not from there. Right. <laughs> um, no, so little me. I mean, you know, uh, I, I was born. I was born in Vienna. Uh, we lived in the countryside, so you know, we lived very close to a farm and uh, on the edge of a forest. So little me was always spending a lot of time in those forests, right? Wow. And at the age of six, um, my parents decided to completely uproot and uh, move to Australia. And oh, so you so, did actually go to Australia. Yeah, I, did, I did actually go to Australia. <laughs> right. That'll confuse people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You you can't tell from the accent, but yeah, I did. I did spend some time down there and I spent my elementary and high school in, in the Philippines, right. In Southeast Asia, because that's where my mom is originally from. Right. Wow. Um, yeah, that was, um, you know, growing up, um, you know, the Philippines at the time was uh, really underdeveloped. So I just remember growing up like, you know, with um, five to six hour blackouts where we're doing homework in the dark and, and sweating. Right. right. Um, but we still we, 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 we still had a good time as kids. Right. Like, we'd, we'd oh, yeah, around, I'm we'd sure. Run around, we'd run around in the rain and what have you. Um, and then from there, I went to Singapore and that's where I went to university. Um, and after university, I spent two years in Germany. And after that, I spent, I went to China, um, Shanghai, China. So a family friend of ours in Munich, uh, talked me into going there because, uh, they were living there, uh, as expats. And he said, yeah, come over. It's uh, you know, you'll have a great time. There's a lot of opportunities and so on and so forth. So I went, I moved to Shanghai in August of 2004 with one suitcase. Wow. And I told myself, I'm going to. Well, that's all you really need is one suitcase, but you're right. You moved your whole life though. Right. right? So yeah. I, I, I moved there under the pretext that I'm just going to probably stick around for a year and then I'll see what I'll do after that. Right. And China was cool with that. <laughs> I haven't asked them. Okay. <laughs> um, after a year, I said, I'm probably going to stay another year. Okay. And after five years, I stopped counting and I ended up staying 13 years. Wow. And, um, I did not know 
that I was going to be who I am today, of course. Right. Like, I think when I was a kid, I was so um, unbelievably enamored by Indiana Jones. And I thought mm -hmm. that I was going to grow up to be an archaeologist. And because I thought it was so much fun running through the jungle and getting getting chased and stuff like that, right? Um, finding ancient artifacts, and then I and then I, you know, later on I realized, yeah, that that might be a little bit of a dangerous gig. So, right. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I got my um, my first um, uh, job, or I was exposed to the world of marketing. Um, December of 2006, January 2007. So it was um, my first job in an advertising agency. Wow. And I, I I went down the advertising route for a couple of years and switched from there to corporate marketing. And I did that for two years. But I somehow realized that my heart was really in the agency world. So I went back. Oh, right? cool. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And um, did that up until the point where I... Uh, you know, my wife and I decided to uh, move to Toronto because that's where she's originally from. Okay. And um, while we were here, I was still uh, working remotely for uh, the agency back in Shanghai in 2019. I decided, um, well, now now it's time to like, uh, yeah, towards the end of 2019, I decided like, yeah, it's time to take this uh, leap of faith and see what happens, right? Mm. And, uh, here I am launch it make it happen man do you have like 13 different passports are you like jason Bourne? <laughs> you know yeah or the guy i can't remember his name now the guy in uh the blacklist with uh david david spader. oh yeah yeah uh james spader sorry yeah david, right. david spader is the other guy <laughs> um yeah no no i do not i do not you don't have 30 okay no okay no. well at least that you know or that you could talk about on a podcast totally get that yeah, um no, well no. I've, oh, I've, man I've, what I've, a I've, crazy I've, journey I've, I've got What's a few. I've got, uh, no, I've got a few. I've got a few hidden on the wall here, but uh. yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> in a certain spot, you can push through and grab them and take your bug out bag and go. Um, well, I have a bit of a hypothetical question for you because I sure. may or may not have a time machine just southeast of you, over or almost actually due east of you here in New Hampshire. Um, <laughs> and let's say you come visit, we get some beer, some lobster, yep. or have a good time. You get the chance to use the time machine. And you go back in time, it's a particular time machine. You get to go meet yourself a couple days after getting that business degree in, in uh, Singapore. Mm -hmm. And you get to go meet that version of you, that age, that life, part of your life journey. What kind of things would you tell yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, back to your earlier uh, comment. I mean, it has been a heck of a journey. It's not just because of all these different places I've lived in. It's just because I... I went through, um, I navigated different waters until I found my, um, my Harbor. If mm -hmm. I'm going to go back to the nautical term. Oh yeah. Um, if I would, if I would meet the younger version of myself, I would tell that younger version of myself, um, Christian, for goodness sakes, uh, follow your heart, uh, learn to live your own life and not the life that others think you should live. Cause that's what I was all about in my twenties. I was a, I was a crowd pleaser. I was a very accommodating person. I was completely different from the guy that you're talking to today. Right. And, um, I will remember, uh, one of my earlier mentors, the guy that mentored me through my early days in advertising. Um, unfortunately he doesn't listen to podcasts, but, um, David <laughs> McLean, if you're, if you're listening to this, um, this, is, this is for you, man. Um, I remember him telling me at a bar in Shanghai, he said, like, if you don't take control, 
and uh, build your own life, um, you're going to spend the rest of your life building somebody else's dream. Mm. And uh, I know there's, there's different versions of that one, but um, that's basically one of the things I would go back and tell myself, right. Um, Not to, not to always be so worried about what other people think, right. Because that influenced everything I did. Right. Right. Oh, I've been there. I I know. Yeah, definitely. Um, I let a lot of those, a, a lot of those, you know, that, that judgment and those preconceived notions, um, get the better of me and hold me back from being the better, better version of myself. And, um, it was to the most part to my detriment, but thankfully, um, thankfully I, I managed to turn that ship around. Um, so that's, those are, those are two things I would say. Um, the third one, which I, which I would also tell the younger version of myself is, um, uh, up your financial literacy game. Mm. Okay. Yeah, because that is something I was completely oblivious to until I was in my 30s, right? Because we were brought up, and I, I think there are many of us out there, like I, I learned early on in the pandemic, um, you know, after taking one of these classes, these financial literacy courses, that um, that I'm not the only one. A lot of us were brought up thinking that um, don't spend anything and keep all your money in the bank, and that's how you grow your wealth. And it, nothing could be further from the truth. Mm. Yeah. Man, um, financial literacy is such a thing. What it's such a thing. killer advice to give. Um, how can people connect with you? Where do you want them to reach out to you? Social media, where do you want them to reach out uh, for Einblick, for the company? If they want to get some help with branding, they want to go below the surface, Yeah, talk more you, about you mean, it. You, you mean dive, dive deeper than we did today? <laughs> yes, yes. We got we're, like one or two atmospheres down, right? But there's there's yeah. so many more to go. Yeah, there's 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 another there's another couple of layers. But yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, thanks for this opportunity, Casey. Oh, I, absolutely. I really, I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, the best place to uh, reach out to me is on LinkedIn. Um, I'm okay. Pretty active there. Um, and when you do reach out, please uh, let me know that you uh you listen to this amazing conversation with Casey on um the Hardcore Marketing Show. Um, my handle is Christian dash clep dash i'm like consulting so uh clep is k-l-e-p-p and i'm like is e-i-n-b-l-i-c-k um you can also go to our website so that's i'm like call so again www.e-i-n-b-l-i-c-k.co and uh if you can um please tune into our podcast so that's uh, b2b marketers on the mission love it man and i do recommend people check that podcast out uh, and I don't say that every time, but not, not just because I was on it. That was mm-hmm. that was your best episode, by the way, the one I was on. Oh, um, without a doubt. <laughs> no, but man, you put so much time and and your questions were so thought out and so considered, um, even more research than I do. And I was just I was genuinely impressed and honored to be on your show because you just asked such great questions, and then you let me be crazy for a little bit, and then you reined it in. You asked another great question, so. I highly recommend people check that out. Marketers, B2B marketers on a mission. Is that right? right. That's right. that's it. We'll date, we'll link to it all in the show notes. Um, well, dude, this has been so fun. This has been fun, right? I was on your awesome. show. You're on my show. Now we just got to get beers. That's what's next. Yes. Yes. Well, oh, wait, hang on a second. I got to hand you back me on you. Oh, 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 thank you. Oh, there we go. There okay. Go. <laughs> I have taken the hammer back for now until you come back and yeah. smash something else. Exactly. Um, but yeah, thanks again for coming on here, dude. It's been awesome. Thank you. It's been an honor. And for those people listening, if you've learned something, and I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back. Ooh, look at that. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, I have to show them to people so they don't think I'm like mm. making it up. Yeah. I literally have run out of space on this paper. I'm writing in diagonals and everything. So if you've learned like I have, then definitely share this episode with one other person, two other people, 900 people. That is thought leadership, getting good information into other people's hands. And that makes you a thought leader just by sharing a podcast. So anyhow, do that. Learn from that. I'm going to have to listen to this again because this has been so packed. This is this is a really good one. This is going to in the Hall of Fame for sure. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> yeah. And again, thanks again, dude, for being on here. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, everybody. This has been another, but yet really powerful episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. 